The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. You hear us. And because you've heard us, Father, we thank you because we have that which we have requested of you. Honor, glory, dominion, and majesty we give unto you. Jesus mighty name we are afraid. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now we began a series like um, in January titled Victory and today we are in part 11. Part 11. Is it 12-part series, so we have one more to go in this series, one more to go. And I'm confident that as, you know, the Word of God, the way the Word of God is, is, is like, you, you have to keep hearing it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing, you know, and as you open your heart to God, God will do what only He can do in your life and your situations in Jesus' name. We, we did say that life is a battle. Life is a battle. Life is filled with battles. I mean, everybody here knows that. Life is a battle. Life is a battle. And since God has promised you and I victory, we um, need to learn how to secure the victory. And since life is a battle, and we, we must, and we, God wants us to have victory, we have to um, deploy those strategies, which implies that we are the general of our lives. You are the general of your life. You call the shots. If you are going to have victory, it's going to be up to you. It's not going to be up to the witch in the village, if there's any. It's not going to be up to that wicked auntie that doesn't wish you well. It's not going to be up to that mean father or that has spoken ill about you. It's not going to be up to your cousin. It's going to be up to you. The earlier you brace up and embrace that, the better for you. You are the general of your life. Everyone say, I am the general of my life. Today, you know, we've looked at all these uh, principles and um, a couple that are not listed there, three that are not listed there. And what is left is... Um, simplicity and concerted action. And today, we are looking at the principle of simplicity. Our text is from Luke chapter 10, verse 41. Luke 10, 41. The Word of God says in Luke 10, 41, this is Jesus at the house of Mary and Martha. And the Lord said to Martha, Jesus speaking, says, there Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. How many things? One thing. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Here we, we have a situation. Martha was preparing dinner. Who was he preparing dinner for? 
Jesus. Martha was preparing dinner for Jesus. And, and she was busy with so many things. Martha was not preparing dinner for herself or for her boyfriend or if she had one or for her husband or for her, friend, her neighbors. She was preparing dinner for Jesus. And in preparing dinner for Jesus, there's a lot of things involved. And Martha was overwhelmed. She was stressed out in today's terminology. She was under a lot of stress. And Jesus is teaching you and I that the stress of life is not necessary. That's what Jesus is saying. All the stress we go through, Jesus is saying is not necessary. All the activities, hustle, bustle, da-da-da, da-da-da. Jesus is saying, only one thing is worth being concerned about. So, Pastor, are you saying I should not be concerned about my health, worried about my health, worried about my, my finances, worried about my children, worried about my husband, worried about my wife? I didn't say so. Jesus says, don't be worried. Only one thing. You should. So Jesus is a master of simplicity. He simplified life to only one thing. Just one thing. If you can harness that one thing, all the stress in your life will burst and fizzle. Look, I'm telling you, I'm not telling you theory, I'm telling you what is obtainable by the grace of God in my life. It's a constant state of no stress <laughs> whatsoever. None. Do I have, okay, maybe I have all the money in the world? Nope. Maybe, nope. But I have no stress. None. If I'm tired, I've worked hard. I'm not, I'm not stressed. I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that. Why? Because that is the pathway Jesus has shown me. You can live a life without stress. Simplify your life. Martha, simplify your life. Um, a, a, a veteran world general you may know of him, uh, George Patton, he says that success in war depends upon the golden rule of war. What's the golden rule of law? Speed, simplicity, audacity. The golden rule of law is speed, simplicity, audacity. So speed, we learned that last week. Surprise. Simplicity, we are learning today. Boldness, audacity, we learned in offensive. Simplify your life. At God's favorite house, we, at God's favorite house, we value simplicity. We have 12 values, 12 core values as a church. If you've done the journey, you understand what I'm saying. Everybody here, if you've done the journey, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. If you've not done the journey, say amen. amen. You are very few. <laughs> Good news. Trip 101 is starting today. After service, just join. Just over there at the uh, portal cabin. 
One of our values, one of our core values is simplicity. We value simplicity. In God's perfect house, we are simple people. There's no unnecessary um, We are simple. Proverbs 13, 7. Proverbs 13, 7. The word of God says that a pretentious, showy life is an empty life. A lot of people are filled with, they are fake people. You won't find many fake people in God's providence. If you find, they are new. And over time, they become simple. A pretentious, showy life, God says it's a what? It's an empty life. But a plain and simple life is, is, is what? It's a full life. Your life will be full in Jesus' name. Make it simple. Look at your neighbor and say, make it simple. The simplest messages are the most helpful messages. I've listened to a lot of messages. The ones I find most helpful are the simplest ones. They're the most powerful messages. The simplest women are the most beautiful women. Have you noticed? The ones that paint their face like masquerades, they're like, oh, come on, what's this? The simplest are the most beautiful. The simplest men are the most powerful men. They are the most faithful men, simplest men. The simplest is always the strongest. The simplest is always the what? The strongest. So the principle of, of simplicity, I mean, this is straight from um, War Manual, is states that you should prepare clear, uncomplicated plans and clear, concise orders to ensure thorough understanding. Even though that definition is not very simple. What it's saying simply is let your plans be clear. And communicate that plan clearly. You can apply it everywhere. Your business. What's your plan? Let it be clear. Communicate it clearly. If you talk to the receptionist, do, does she know the plan? If you talk to the gate man, does he know the plan? If you talk to your um, assistant, does he or she know the plan? In your home, let your plan be simple. And communicate it clearly. If I speak to your wife, does she know where, they are, where you are taking her, this family? Where is it going? Is the plan clear? This is where we are going. It is well communicated. When you simplify your life, you remove ambiguity, confusion out. You throw it out of the way. And the mark of a great general is the ability to strip things down to their barest essentials. And then focus. If you are going to be a great general, you must learn how to strip things down. Take 
what is before you and simplify it. You're going through a, a lot. Maybe your, your, your children comes to you. They are overwhelmed. You can take their problems and simplify it. Your wife comes to you. She's overwhelmed. You can take a problem and simplify it. Your husband comes to you. He's overwhelmed. You can take his problem and what? And simplify it. That's the mark of a great general. Simplifying the complex. Take a direct approach. So, you and I must make effort. It takes a lot of effort. You must make effort to eliminate every form of ambiguity and confusion from your life. You must make effort, eliminate confusion. When you eliminate confusion, you eliminate stress. Praise the Lord. Because if you look at life, you discover that the enemy of success is confusion. The enemy of success is confusion. God wants you to be successful. I believe everybody here wants to be successful. The enemy of success is confusion and complexity. But the challenge with us as human beings is that we are naturally complex people. And it's a misnomer because if your God is simple, why are you complex? The God we serve is simple. So why are we complex? Naturally, if you live a human being, the human being will complicate things. If you don't focus on simplicity, you get complexity naturally. Naturally. Leave a child with his room all arranged, the toys everywhere they are supposed to be. Give the child a few days, what happens? The room is complex. Everything is upside down. I mean, I'm talking about serious complexity. And that's how we are. I was sharing yesterday how, you know, I have a colleague. He's a master. Well, he's improved now. Let me say that. But he was a master at complicating things. I said to him, let's move this thing from here to here. He will come up, go on. Do the plan. You will come up with a plan. This plan will go like this, 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 then come here. I'm like, why can't we just go from here to here? Say, hey, okay, I didn't know that was what you want. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you know, we are naturally complex people. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, if you don't strive for simplicity, and it's, it's simplicity, as simple as it is, is not trivial. I'm sure you know that. It takes a lot of mental work. It's like um, digestion. You've taken something, you have broken it down. It takes a lot of 
work. But that is where productivity begins. Simplicity. There's, there's um, um, a, a rule called the Occam razor. It's used, I mean, in different fields to simplify, to simplify things. It just simply says it's pointless to do with more what you can do with less. It appears to be straightforward. Isn't that straightforward? It's pointless to do with more what you can do with less. But sometimes we just waste resources. Sometimes we, we, we waste, I mean, and, and, and you know, without casting as passions at our ladies, sometimes you want to say something. Just say it. Why do you have to go say this? Say, Pastor, say, just tell me what the issue is. I need to tell you what, what happened. What, what happened? Eh, that day, this person, this, I said, just tell me what the story is. Oh, let me tell you the whole story. Then they take you around, and they say, okay, so this is the story. But you could have said this in one sentence. Men, am I correct? Sometimes, okay. Ah. My wife said to me, I went to the grocery store and I bought bacon, but I wanted to buy this brand, but I couldn't find this brand, but I bought that brand. Right? Simple. She says, then I entered my car. Then I got to the cruise. If you see the parking spot I found, eh? Ah, I'm not interested in the parking spot. Tell me about the groceries. Then I went to the first aisle. Then I went to the second aisle. Then I bumped into this person. You will not believe it. At the end of the day, I get the message, you got the grocery. Right? Fantastic. Praise the Lord. <laughs> While that may be harmless when it comes to relationships and possibly helpful to connect with your wife and listen to all our stories, but when it comes to resources, it doesn't make sense. Don't spend more when you can't spend Less. This principle is used by detectives to solve a case. They take the direct approach. They take the direct approach. The simplest and most direct solutions are usually the most correct solutions. It's used by medical doctors when they are trying to diagnose a case. They take the direct approach. It's used by programmers. It's used by architects. It's used by just Different fields that solve problems. They take the direct approach. Simplify things. Praise the name of the Lord. So it, it is, it is it misnomer for us to be complex when our God is simple. God is so simple. It's amazing that God is so simple. Sometimes we, we miss God. It's so simple we miss God. God is here. Do you know that? He's here. Someone say, where now? Where, Pastor? Where? Where is it? You see? You see? 
He's here, right beside you. He's there with you. Elijah wanted to hear God. The lightning went, checked, God wasn't there. The, the thunder, God wasn't there. There was earthquake, God wasn't there. And he wrapped the mantle on his head and he heard God in a still small voice. Many times we are looking for the dramatic and God is saying, I am here. Simple, I'm here. And because God is simple, we walk past God, we don't even know it. Because God is simple, we, we, we get an instruction from God, we don't even know it. When Jesus came, he came in a manger. He was God. Jesus is God. He came in a manger. It was so simple. They missed him. Totally. He says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Why didn't they receive him? They were expecting a Messiah. If God that made the heavens and the earth is so simple, why are we so complex? God says, you want to be saved? Accept Jesus. Repent of your sins. The cross will avail for you. I've spoken to many people and they say, is that all? That's all I need to do? To be saved, that is all. You want to be healed? The word of God says that you lay hands on the sick and they will what? They will recover. Many people say, you mean I don't have to bring goat? I don't have to bring cow? What about turtle dough? What about tortoise? Tortoise. Should I bring the one that has four legs or three legs? God is simple. Praise the Lord. God is simple. And he wants you and I to be simple. He wants you to cut off all the confusion. I want you to look at the different areas of your life. Make up your mind. I am going to simplify my life. I'm going to simplify my life. I'm going to simplify my life totally. So the question is, how do I simplify my life? I'll give you four ways I've learned to simplify my life from the word of God. And we'll take it from there, close from there. Simplifying my life, number one, I need to think clearly. Think clearly. Think clearly. Yes, there's a whole lot of pressure. Yes, you are going through a lot. Just stop and think clearly. You know, not many people think, unfortunately. Many times we want somebody else to think for us. Many times we just want things to just happen. But God wants us to think. And he wants us to think clearly. Success is almost always the result of complete clarity. Success is almost always a result of complete clarity. Think, think, take your business, sit down and think. You have a challenge with your spouse, sit down and think clearly. Just think, you have a, you have a challenge with, with your child, just sit down and think. Think, 
Think clearly. Remove the emotions. Yes, it's good to have emotions, but set it aside. Use your brain. Think. Many times, we are impulsive as human beings. We are very impulsive. Most people, the average person, acts impulsively. But you don't have to be average. The average person acts impulsively. You just go with the wind. You just, you know, hey, this is how I feel. You just do it. Oh, I feel good today. Oh, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed tomorrow. Oh, da, 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 da. No, but God wants you to act strategically. To act based on clear thoughts. Not based on what is thrown at you. So, you get into that situation, something is being thrown at you, God wants you to think. And to think clearly. You know, you know how um, farmers that have um, dogs that are restless, when they want to wear out their dogs, they take the dogs to a large field that has rabbits. And once the dog sees a rabbit, the dog chases the rabbit. And while the dog is chasing the rabbit, the dog sees another rabbit. He stops, chases that rabbit. While chasing that rabbit, he sees another rabbit. He leaves the rabbit, chases the other. At the end of the day, the dog is exhausted. <laughs> he hasn't caught a single rabbit. It's just chasing and chasing. And, chasing. and many times that is, that is the story of our lives. We're just chasing down rabbits. You see a rabbit show up. Another rabbit show up. You are not living with intention. God wants you to live with intention. And you can't live with intention if you don't have clarity of thought. You have to think. You have to think. And you have to think clearly. One of the most important life skills you can develop is the ability to focus single-mindedly on an issue. We all have things that distract us. Legitimate things that distract us. You need to cook for the family. You need to take care of your wife. You need to take care of your husband. You need to take care of your children. You need to do that. But the truth is that they will always be there. Those legitimate things will always be there. The ability to focus single-mindedly on an issue and think it through is one of the greatest life skills you can ever develop. So sometimes you talk to folks and you ask them simple questions. Simple questions. They have not thought about that. So you've not even talked. So why are you worried? What's the basis of being worried? You've not even thought through the thing. Praise the Lord. So the first thing I need to do to simplify my life is what? Think clearly. Think clearly. The second thing I need to do to simplify my life is think differently. Think differently. 
for you to be able, maybe you have a process and it's a 10-step process. And that 10-step is long, it's long, it's complex. You want to shorten it to four, a four-step process and achieve the same result. The thinking that produces the 10-step process needs to change because if you, are, if you keep thinking the same way, you, will, you can't get anything better. But to simplify it, you need to think differently. So you need to ask, what can be improved here? How can I improve this? How can I, I mean, we all have things, even if, I mean, the, the person, the mother in the house have a 10-step process to a pot of soup. What's the 10-step process to a pot of soup? Number one, come on. Before you buy, okay, <laughs> the men said number one, Pepe. <laughs> oh, Pepe. Number two, depends on the route you want to take. Oh, but how many people know, everybody we agree that we can't, Say, you can bring three ladies up here. Give us, a, give us your steps to a pot of soup. And the steps will be different. For everybody, we arrive at a pot of soup. One person will have 20 steps. One person will have 10 steps. One person will have maybe five steps. For everybody, we arrive at what? If you want to be efficient, you should think how do I shorten these steps? How do I shorten these steps? How do I shorten it? And to shorten it, you need to think differently. Every man knows. For me to do this, I need to do that. Every man knows that. So how can I improve? How can I improve? So look at your task and ask what can be improved. What can be improved? Look at every area of your life. What is that one thing that can bring about a dramatic change in my job? What is that one thing that can bring about a dramatic change in my marriage? What is that one thing that can bring a dramatic change in my relationship? What do I do? I focus. Everybody say focus. I focus, I acquire the skills that I need to achieve that one thing. Take a marriage situation, for instance. I talk to couples all the time. What is that one thing that a husband needs mostly from his wife? What is that one thing? Is what? Is respect. Is respect. Sometimes... I'm almost laughing because I hear stories from different ways. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. The man says, you don't respect me. The woman says, Pastor, I think we, we are dealing with self-esteem issues here. <laughs> because I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I'm like, come on. What is the one thing if you do to your wife, it will change the game? What's the one thing? Love. She wants to, not just love, she wants to feel loved. 
And the man says to me, I don't know what she said, I'm trying my best. She, this woman is not satisfied. She needs the arm and a leg. No, she doesn't. So, if, if, if it is one thing, I'm a man, what is the one thing to love my wife? That cannot be very difficult. I just make it my all-consuming passion. I love only one woman. I simplify my life. You know why a lot of men are not very versatile at loving their wives? They are, they are like that dog chasing different rabbits. You won't catch any. This one is focused. And if you make it your focus, you begin to ask questions. You begin to stop. You make her the object of your study and analysis. I have studied my wife. I know him. I know him. <laughs> if my wife does like this, I know what it means. I may ignore it, but I know what it means. You make her your object of obsession. Your husband, if you can successfully respect the guy, you will change your marriage totally. If the guy comes to the house and feels that, feels on top of the world like a king, you will change your marriage totally. So what should you be doing? Let that be your obsession. How can I make this guy feel like a champion? Ask questions. I will, I, when I counsel, I will counsel <laughs> particularly, you know, ladies sometimes, you know, <clears throat> can be very interesting. And they're like, Pastor, look, look, I, I, I respect this guy. In fact, there's no man on earth I don't, I respect, I don't, I respect more than him. So I don't know what he's saying here. I think he has insecurity issues, you know. What I usually would do is I would take something, maybe an orange, or maybe I take a, biscuit, a cookie or, or something, and, and, I'll, and I'll begin to eat um, the, or, or, or squeeze the orange or, or eat the banana, whatever. You know, and they're looking at me, like, why is this guy just eating the banana? And I, and I said to, to the wife, I said, this orange is, is very sweet. And she said, oh, it's, it is. I said, yes. After a while, I said, this orange is very sour. I see the confusion on her face. And before she gets over that, I say this orange, in fact, is salty. <laughs> at that point, she knows I'm getting at something. I say to her, you cannot prove me wrong because you are not the one tasting it. I am the one tasting this orange. I can tell you if it is sour or if it is sweet or if it is salty. Your husband is the one receiving that respect that you think you are giving. If it is real respect, who should know? The man. As long as he doesn't know, you have not done it. As long as your wife does not feel loved, 
The simplest way to find out if my wife is crazy, don't, don't take my word for it. Go and ask her. That's how you will know. And many times you don't even need to ask. Just interact with her. You will know. Praise the Lord. What is that one thing? And you can apply it in your job, on your, on your business. What is that one thing that if I can crack this, it will change the game for my business? What is that one thing? Make it your obsession. Until you crack it, don't stop. Ecclesiastes 10.10 10 says, Using a dull axe requires great strength. So sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. So number one, to simplify my life, number one, I think clearly. Number two, I think differently. Number three, I answer. I answer. To answer is to, is to delegate or to outsource. Delegate internally or outsource. Externally, but hands off. How do you mean, Pastor, to hands off? The question is what is that thing that is only you? That only you can do? In your, in your, in your life, in your, your marriage, in your home, what is that one thing that only you can do? In your business, what is that one thing that only you can do or should be doing? <laughs> what is that one thing that only you should be doing? Outsource every other thing, delegate every other thing, and focus on that thing alone. Again, I can take this to different areas of life, business. Outsource it. There are better people that can. Why? Okay, after after a while, your business is stabilized. Why are you doing? Why are you doing your 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 bookkeeping? What's that? They are accounting firms. That's their job. Outsource it. Let them do it. It brings simplicity into your life. In the home, same thing. If you can outsource who sweeps your compound, please do. But please don't outsource who feeds your husband. Uh, Because if you do outsource who feeds your husband, there may be a connection between the mouth and you know what? <laughs> Find the things that only you can do and delegate and answer. The problem with the love is that we don't think, we don't to even find out. Take a department, for instance. Take any department. Take set up and tear down. CMM, whatever department. I look at every leader. And, you know, and I kind of assess every leader based on, their, on this. There are certain things every leader are the only ones that can do. Outsource every other thing. Now, outsourcing is hands off, but eyes on. You are still responsible. Keep your eyes on it. But take your hands off. Praise the Lord. In Exodus 18, there's a story there. Exodus 18, the Jethro, the father of Moses, came and saw Moses. Moses is a new leader of the nation of Israel and Moses was, you know, doing all the decision making, the judging of the people and all that stuff. 
And in verse 13, the next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's dispute against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. When Moses, Moses' father-in-law, saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? I think that's a question we need to ask ourselves. What am I really accomplishing here? I'm going, I'm working from morning to night. What exactly am I accomplishing? There are many of us who are just working, but we are not productive. We could do more with our time or get better results with our time. This is not good. Moses' father-in-law exclaimed, you are going to wear yourself out and the people too. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice. Listen to these words. Determine what only you can do and back off from the rest. That's what I do. Even when my colleagues bring an issue to me, if they bring the problem to me, I send them back. Go and solve the problem. Come Come to me with options. Then we can take it from there. Because if I'm solving the problem for you, then I'm doing your job for you. I don't want to do that. I want to do what only me can do. The early church discovered that in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 6. The church had grown and they needed to be feeding people, you know, taking care of widows and all that stuff. And the apostles said, Guys, choose for yourselves, men that are faithful. In other words, we are delegating this feeding of people thing. We are delegating this uh, widow matter things. We will give ourselves to prayer and to what? The ministry of the word. Every other thing we are outsourcing. So think about your life. Think about your home. Think about your your relationship. Think about your business. Think about your career. What do I need to hands off and put my eyes on? I know Nigerian entrepreneurs, I mean, you you can say I've I've had to deal with, I'm an entrepreneur myself, I've had to deal with a lot of entrepreneurs. And the singular challenge, one of the major challenges of Nigerian entrepreneurs is to find people that are faithful. Am I correct? People that you can trust, people that you can hands off, you know, to. It's as if when you hands off, they want to run away with it. <laughs> you know, and, or they want to destroy it. Or whatever. You know, I know that it's a challenge. But you see, you have to believe God that your case will be different. You have to believe God. I believe God. And in my business, I have good people. In ministry, I have good people. I have friends that are pastors that when they come here, they say to me, how did you get these good people? I don't know. But I believe that they are good people. Because we have what you believe. If you believe everybody is a thief, you will keep attracting thieves. And they will keep coming after your money. But if you believe that God has people that has a good heart, God will bring people that have a good heart to you. Praise the name of the Lord. So find the thing that only you can do and hands off everything else. Number four, 
For me to simplify my life, number one, I need to think clearly. Number two, I need to think differently. Number three, I need to hands off. And number four, I need to cut off. I need to cut off some things I actually need to put to rest. Some things I actually need to cut off. Some things I have to let go. Many of us have what they call the pack rat mentality. You know what the pack rat mentality is? No matter how full your wardrobe is, <laughs> they want to hold on to stuff. They want to hold on to stuff. You want to keep stuff. Your, your house is overflowing. You want to keep stuff. You know, why are you keeping this dress? Ah, just in case I need it. Have you heard that before? Just in case. This shoe, I mean, come on. You, you have this. Ah, pastor, just in case I need it. But you've not worn it for the past 18 months. Ah, pastor, you never know this. Just one day like this, I may just need it. Just in case. So we, 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 we have the pack rat mentality because of our just-in-case thinking. I want to challenge you this morning to go home, get a box, sweep through your wardrobe, your room, under the bed. Some of you have put stuff under the bed. Yes, check under the bed. In the closet, Everything you've not used in a reasonable amount of months that you think I may need someday, it could be wedding gifts. Some people, you've had wedding gifts. You are just spiking. Ah, pastor, my wedding gift. I may need it someday, just in case. Pack everything that is just in case and put it in that box. I say, this is my just in case box. Some of you, a box is not enough. You need to bring a trailer <laughs> to have and just mark that trailer just in case. Put them together today. Will you do it? Come on, will you do it? Good. Put them together You're just in case. Some people, your children have grown. You've had three, four, five children. You are approaching 50. You still say, just in case I have a retirement benefit. I don't want to be buying pram. I want to keep this just in case toys, just in case shoes, just in case baby wears, just in case bicycles, just in case electronics, just in case pack everything, label it just in case. And you know what you are going to do with them? Bring them for everything for 50. Just bring them for every 450. God will bless you. And in case God will be there for you. (laughs) That's how you that's what you should do. That's what I'm going to do. Even though I don't really have any, I've wiped out everything. I'm still going to go. Interestingly, every time I go, I still find things. I don't know where they come from. Pay the price. Do it. Go through your job, your business. Ask, why are we doing this? Ask. Go through your business. Go through your your workplace. Go through your home. Go through, why are we doing this? Challenge the process. Why are we doing this? There's a Fortune 500 company. This company 
um, has about six top-level guys, the lowest paid, the least paid people in this group of six people. They are all six-digit people in U.S. dollars. As in, to show you how much they earn. One of their major jobs is to come up with a report. And that report is a 300-page report. And they submit the report to the executive vice president every month. So the leader of the team one day was asking, this report, does anybody even really read it? So he went, he asked, in a non-threatening way. And he discovered that not a single one of those reports is being read. Month after month after month. So he said to his team, I'm going to close this department. You're not going to lose your jobs. I'm going to put you somewhere else where you can be useful. After a couple of months, he was at a meeting, like top-level meeting, and somebody said, how about that report? So if we don't get that report again, what happened? Oh, the guy says, we discontinued it. And the guy said, well, it's a good thing you discontinued it. Nobody reads it. are you doing? Nobody cares. But you keep churning out the reports. But nobody's, nobody's reading it. As a church, we, we had to, there are so many things that we have put to, to sleep. One example is our bulletin. If you remember, some of you are saying bulletin. Oh, we used to do bulletin. Yes, we used to. I know you forgot because it didn't mean anything to you. We used to print bulletins every week. What goes into printing bulletin every week is a lot. A lot. Read, proofread. I will break people's heads when I see there's, a, there's supposed to be a full stop. Why didn't you put this full stop? Stress. The cost of printing it every week. So one day, I sat down with my team and I said, guys, are people really, really, really reading these bulletins? Do you know how many hours of my work life, week, is just to make sure that bulletin comes out as it should? So one of them said, oh, pastor, people like their bulletins. I said, are you sure? He said, yes. He said, let's have an experiment. We're going to stop printing bulletins. Let's see who misses it. We stopped printing bulletins. Nobody missed it. A few months after, like three months after, I kid you not, I asked a man. I said, oh, how was your bulletin last week? Ah, I said, that last week bulletin. Mm. <laughs> I was like, really? He said, yes, ah, yeah, you guys are doing a good job. Didn't say anything. I just walked away quietly. And that was the end of bulletins in God's favorite house. <laughs> we can't just be doing stuff because other people are doing it. That's the route to killing yourself. That's the fastest route to killing yourself. You are doing stuff because other people are doing it. You have a good hairstyle on your head. You just made it. It's just one week old. You want to remove it because. 
You've seen somebody else. You will soon go bald. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> That's the fastest route to killing yourself. Do you know how many hours I've saved in my week for cutting off that, just that thing? And my colleagues. What do you need to cut off? Many times, it's actually a relationship you need to cut off. There are certain relationships, honestly, if you're going to be honest with yourself, the summation of that relationship, if there's one word you can use to, de- to describe the relationship, is stress. Cut it off. And see how stress-free your life will become. When you have people that the only thing time they want to talk to you is when they have just gossip, that is. Ah, have you seen that person? Hey, that's all they have. Cut it off. Cut it off. The greatest antidote to stress is simplicity. It's the greatest antidote to stress. I have only one phone. One phone. Only one phone. Why should I be carrying five phones? As a, <laughs> why should I be carrying two phones? Some people, I want to call them. I look at the number. I don't even know which one to call. I have to call Fana. Fana, which one does this person use? Please help me. It's okay. She uses this one. This one may not go through. Simplify your life. After yesterday's service, the sudden service, a lady said to me, Oh, Pastor, you only have two of my numbers. Let me give you two more. <laughs> I said, I don't want. She says, You don't know I have four numbers. Uh, it was me you were talking to. <laughs> but you only have two. She knows the one she's giving woo. Is it that complex? The day on my phone, I, the day I stopped receiving mails on my phone, I cut off my email from my phone, I cut off Twitter from my phone, I cut off Facebook from my phone, I don't do Facebook, Twitter, email on my phone. When I did that, believe me, it added years to my life. I'm telling you, I just felt, oh, uh, longevity has just been increased. Because the stress, was, every time they buzz, it kind of, the phone, the, I don't know what they did to that phone. I don't want to say there's a spirit behind it. <laughs> but he has so much control over us. As soon as it beeps, you must look. And as soon as you look, you are distracted from what you are doing. It complicates your life. Many times my phone is on silent, many times. Why? I want to check my mail. I open my laptop. I check my mail. When I shut my laptop, no disturbances. I've seen people say to me, okay, pastor, I have your number, but give me that number. That one now, that one. That uh, is for the inner caucus. <laughs> I said, there's nothing like that one. I only have one. <laughs> is it that you have it or you don't? Jesus said to Martha in Luke 
10, 40. From 40. The one of God says, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to get up and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, don't you just love Jesus? I just calms her down. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. How many things? Only one thing. You have many details. You are trying to, I'm trying to juggle the ball. Jesus is saying, only one thing that is worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. When you discover and make your relationship with Jesus the center of your life, then you are going to you just set yourself up for a stress-free life. When you make the, your relationship just the center of your life, before you, you take that job, how will it impact on your relationship with Jesus? Before you relocate to that place, how will it impact on your relationship with Jesus? Before you make that decision, how will it impact? So you need to hands off and cut off anything that does not help your relationship with Jesus. Hands it, hand off, hand off it, cut it off. Anything that does not help your relationship with Jesus, cut it off. I've seen people take huge jobs that took them out of their place in God and I've seen their soul famished. In fact, practically backsliding. I've said to a couple of them, do you really, really enjoy this life? And really, they shake their head. Really. Because what will it profit a man? Begins the whole world. And loses his soul. Ask yourself this question. If you have three months to live. One, two, three. Three months to live. How would you spend your time? Okay. I know you are saying, Pastor, I reject that in Jesus' name. I shall not die but live. Yes, I know. You will not die. You will live in Jesus' name to declare the word of blood. Yes, yes, yes. Amen, amen, amen. Question. Think. But if you had only three months to live, how would you spend your time? Think about it. Now, all those things that are stressing you right now, we used to be chasing them. That promotion that you want to kill yourself about, will it be important? The business, because of which you are depriving your wife and your family, you are sacrificing them on the altar of, of, of success. Would, would that really be important? Three months to live. It won't be. So, what are the things that you would really want to spend your time doing? Those are the things you should really be spending your time doing. I've just helped you to simplify your life. 
You want to get closer to God. I would want to get closer to God. Three months. Ah, no. I love you, Lord. <laughs> you want to make peace with people. You want to spend time with your wife. You want to say to her, I'm sorry. I should have loved you more. But these three months, eh? Ah, bad with me. Please be enjoying me. You want to say to your husband, I should have paid more attention to you. Your children. The truth is, that is how you should be living now. That is what cuts off stress. That's what simplifies your life. That's what makes you powerful, unstoppable, indestructible. Really. Let's burn our hearts. Let's burn our heads. How do I spend these three months? What do I need to cut off? What do I need to hands off? How do I need to think clearly? How do I need to think differently? Think. Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. There may be a few people here, you are, you are saying, Pastor, I used to be with God. But I'm backstabbing, I'm, I'm, I'm far from God right now. Can you pray for me? Yes, I want to pray with you. I don't need you to come out, wherever you are seated. But you are saying, I, 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 I've never been with Jesus. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to, I want to ask him into my life. You're saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to pray with you wherever you're sitting. That is me. That is me, Pastor. Put up your hand now over your head. So I know you are there, and I'll pray with you quickly. If I put up your hand, put up your hand. Well, the instructions are scrolling. If you are online, if you are online, the instructions are scrolling. That is me. Put up that hand, and we'll pray together. Jesus, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you. That is me. They're going to put a card in your hand. Once you have the card, you can put it down and, and, and cry to God. God bless you right there. God bless you. You can see that hand right there. God bless you. That is me. That is me, Pastor. My life is complicated. My life is complex. My God is simple. I want to simplify my life. I want to start by surrendering to Jesus. Put it up over your head. And I'm going to pray with you. Now, that is me, Pastor. That is me. God bless you. God bless you. Another hand there. God bless you. God bless you. That is me, Pastor. Rest of us, let's, let's talk. Let's talk to God. Let's talk to God. Father in heaven, we pray for everyone that is surrendered to you today. We ask that you cleanse everyone and Lord, draw them closer, draw us all closer to yourself in the mighty name of Jesus. The grace to simplify our lives, give unto us. Honor and glory be given to you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we are afraid. Amen.